Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnerklein. The bad white men call him the devil. The Yavapai call him eyes like the sky. Yes, yes. All right. Cutting for Sign, episode 42, right? I believe it's 43. 43, baby. Man, that feels good. I love ticking these things off. I I love doing this every time. I actually just realized that I have, uh, there's a funny little parallel in my life where I've done almost as many paintings as I have podcast episodes. And I like to finish a painting a week these days. And we do about a podcast a week. And I would love for those things just to like stay even. Continue to go <laughs> Hell yeah. That nice, would be awesome. Nice. It's reversed for me right now because I, I need to write about this many thousands of words by about a month out. So I need about 43,000 <laughs> words to be done. So we're at this like crossroads, I think. You're at a crossroads. Production. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. it. I love it. I love it. Also age. You're, you're right around the age of our, this is a lot of things going on, going, going very parallelly right now. Your writing, painting, age, and podcast numbers are all, they're all clashing. They're in the early forties. Can you, when you were young, could you, could you even imagine your early forties? Early forties. I don't know. I don't know if I can imagine them right now. I remember in the 80s, there was a TV show called 30 something. I never saw it. I just remember it being a thing on there. Oh, Joe's already here. Uh, Awesome. We'll talk about this later. Joe Lumen. Joe Lumen, you are a public speaker and writer who teaches about dismantling systems of oppression, restorative justice, the effects of trauma, and centering the needs of marginalized communities. You are Colombian born and raised and moved to the U.S. to get your master's degree in ministry and theology. After 10 years working inside of churches, developing curriculum, and teaching classes on theology and doctrine, you stopped working in the church and started The Living Room, a nonprofit that helps faith spaces consider and evaluate issues of racial literacy and equity. In the summer of 2020, inspired by a group of victims and survivors of church abuse, you started Do Better Church, an online space for victims of religious mistreatment. The platform invites churches to improve how they conduct themselves, seeks to ensure the safety of marginalized communities, and offers its more than 10,000 participants peer support, tools for healing, and a safe space to communicate and be seen. Welcome, Joe Lumen. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Joe, I'm really glad you're here. I've always admired your articulation and, and around the, your educational background and experience and how that pertains to kind of what has been happening on, you know, in, in the church environment and the political environment. And, um, and it's also pretty apparent that you're like, you are so thoughtful about this stuff uh, in a way that um, I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm even capable of doing. Um, like I have a, I have a bachelor's degree in New Testament literature, which, you know, let's be honest, bachelor's degree is like, you know, <laughs> I don't, I don't take a lot of stock in that, <laughs> but, um, 
I, as I've Thanks, been in I'm a, feeling really good about my bachelor's degree. Uh, <laughs> awesome. I, I was like, gonna a, say, like, <laughs> I mean, I would say the same about master's degrees and uh, you know, like fair. most of the work that I, yeah. like most of the education that I have that yeah. has been so good for me has been kind of things that I've learned on my own and studied on my yeah, own, totally. like being so intentional about, but yeah, um, we could talk about for like the educational system and how it's just to check off boxes, but yeah. you know doesn't mean much yeah I think it can mean something like I'm about to head back into school actually and I've been asking myself the questions around this subject quite a bit but I think that the community and the space depending on what you're doing like I'm going I'm going to be doing art I just want I just want people to paint around in a studio and I want to be pushed in some specific ways and I was like gosh, is this just going to be some hoops to jump through or box to check? Cause I don't really need these boxes checked. Right. And I really like broke it down. And I think it, as long as a person breaks it down and really considers why they're going to school, what they're going to get out of it, that it's different for every path. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I was going to get my doctorate and, yeah. and that, that was exactly what happened. I Damn. started the process. I applied, everything was good to go, including getting into a lot of debt. And then yeah. I realized like, I'm doing it just because I need people to take me seriously and they mm. will there you have go. a doctor before me, but it's not worth it for the amount of money. People should just respect what I have to say <laughs> without yeah, the go. doctor. And the reality mm. is that they won't if they don't have to, you know, like evangelical leaders, when I speak, they often don't respect what I have to say because it's so contrary to what they've been indoctrinated in so I decided not to do it like it was too much money and it wasn't mm. worth it and yeah, I, yeah. I studied so much on my own that I was like no I'm good it's fine I'll call myself doctor it's I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> gosh I was, that's a good point I bet there's people out there who are just like look right look left and then they're like fuck it and they just put dr on their <laughs> yeah. I uh I bought I bought uh concert tickets the other day and it and uh and this has been my tradition for the last few years when it asks you for the suffix of your name like mr whatever i always put lord and, oh i love uh, that <laughs> and my full name is that Ronald an option Benson oh. cecil the second well it's a, it's like a title out you know in certain parts of the world which right. is you know dumb as shit but it's funny when you get your tickets at the, <laughs> the box, the box cecil. Lord. lord cecil lord oh. ronald benson cecil the second just i'll take it and your Ron's, name's perfect for that too. Oh, it's so white and English. It couldn't be better for it. Yeah. Ron's just a yeah. humble, humble person. I'm so glad that you're getting a chance to meet him, Joe. This is great. I want to see people scream that. Lord Ron. I love that. Thanks. I started calling Ron RC3 and I came up with that a couple of days ago and he's totally ignored that I've been calling him RC3, which I think is a pretty damn good nickname. Uh, what's the three about? I don't know if I caught that. You're Ronald Caesar the third. No, I'm not. I'm the second. Oh shit. <laughs> I think <laughs> I, I think why. I think that's why I ignored it because I was like, oh, he'll figure it out at some point. So but now <laughs> I had to call you out publicly, Daniel. <laughs> no, I thought you were the third. <laughs> oh, RC two. That doesn't yeah. sound as good at all. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, well, we're, well, we're Jack, hashing things out. Here's what you have. You have a couple of white dudes in front of you. One came from evangelical background. I bet you can guess who. And the other didn't. And um, and the funny thing is, I, I think about that is like sometimes I can get a little bit um, judgy or 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 critical of my experience in the background. And Joe's or Joe, I don't know. I'm sorry. And Daniel is is like kind of keeps me from from um, being too disrespectful sometimes around it. And I appreciate that about him. Really? 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I, like a couple times, I've like start. I start to get wound up on shit talking, and you get like, a little you know, judgy around what? My just my the culture I grew up in. Oh, you get judgy. Yeah. You judge them. I judge them. I judge my experience. Yeah. I judge past leaders. You yeah. know my own choices that I made. Yeah, you know, the fact that I thought I had to go to school to be accepted. All, all right, man. On the real quick pause though, on the whole scale of people who harshly judge christians and people who are extremely you know christian like that 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 spectrum i think that you're you are amazing you're in an amazing place in that you know like you don't you seem to honor your the religion that you grew up and that has like formed a lot of who you are at the same time you honor the process of deconstruction that you went through and where that's left you and people who are all over that if i ever like kind of put a light shine light on an area or try to shine light or attention on an area where maybe you're going in my opinion one way or the other that's too far we're talking incremental degrees man mm. well i appreciate it all, all <laughs> things considered i really appreciate it because it helps yeah. me i i think why, why i appreciate it joe is because um i've not at least in my own life i've not found a way to wholeness and healing that starts with resentment and, and I have to like catch myself and, and then acknowledge like, oh yeah, I made a bad choice or something was presented to me in a way that wasn't to my benefit or to the benefit of anyone, but those in charge. And, and I can like dig my heels in and like, just be fucking mad about it for a while. Yeah. And, hmm. and, uh, and it just reminds me, it's like, oh, I've got, I, I still have to pay the rent and I still have to like feed my family and <laughs> feed me and, and. And uh, resentment doesn't um, help that. And I think that's what is cool about watching what you're doing is that you, you're putting action, a lot of action in place to help educate and, and use your education and use your not base of knowledge to bring about transformation in a place that I can't imagine would be really receptive to yeah. this kind of thing. I was thinking about that because, you know, we start with a group of people, myself included, that believe some outlandish things. Right. And, and, you know, if we just started with the virgin birth, I don't know where you stand on your belief around the virgin birth. Um, but for, you know, my whole life, I just was like default didn't question. It. I was like, yeah, that's right. right. Virgin birth, baby. Well, the way. And, and therefore it's like when you suspend reality to have to buy into those kinds of things, like then, it, then it becomes like, well, what are you suddenly as the person who believes those things, what are you suddenly going to start questioning to then like, you know, cause if you start tugging on the thread of one thing, like everything eventually is going to have to like come undone. Do you, right. are you familiar with, um, uh, oh gosh, what is that guy's name? Uh, it's going to come to me in a little bit. He was on the board of Oral Roberts university in the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands. And he had a, he was probably the first evangelical that I'm aware of that was ousted for his calling out his like disconnection from the theology of hell. Yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. He was the first one that became more universalist. And yeah, uh, yeah, I, I don't remember his name either, but I know who you're talking about. And you obviously uh, we cannot think of the name, but you know what? You said a few things. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead. no, please. I was just, oh. I, I, I was curious about what that word universalist meant. Yeah, yeah. I'll talk about it in a second. But you said a lot of things like, 
you know, that there is judgment to be held for a lot of theologies that are harmful and abusive. There is judgment to be held. Like it's, it's appropriate, it's right to hold judgment for these theologies and to recognize how they've harmed the most marginalized first and then everybody else after that. And I, I think it's okay to hold the judgment and remember that that is not all that Christianity has to offer or has ever offered. Yeah. And holding that tension sometimes is so is hard, right? Um, it's it's hard to admit that Christianity has been both a weapon of oppression and a tool for healing for a lot yeah. of people. And yeah. uh, the only reason I still consider myself a Christian is not because I believe I don't believe in the virgin birth. And funnily enough, I just I just wrote an entire. I like to do highlight series so people can read them slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have an entire highlight series. It's just way too long right now, so I'm trying to make <laughs> it lower, uh, smaller on virginity yeah. as a whole mm-hmm. and how the idea of purity and virginity are tied to what is called Mariology, which Mm. is the worship of Mary, the Virgin. Yeah. Yeah. And there were three types of virginity that were given to her. And yes, there you go. Uh, And some of these narratives are beautiful. And then some of these narratives are so very toxic and demanded things of especially uh, female bodies, bodies, you know, of women. And so this idea of virginity and purity starts getting mixed up with a lot of ideas of what is meant to be a young woman that was pure, but not in the sense, not, not in the sexual sense that Christianity has so far um, pushed. And so mm-hmm. there are so many things that we can absolutely judge without getting to, without getting back into trauma cycles, you know? And I, I've talked mm-hmm. before about the difference between, am I the things that, are the things that I'm speaking about and the decisions that I'm making, are they rooted in trauma? Or are they coming from my most healed self? And I have to say, like, I studied theology. I've studied all the things that I've studied originally. I became a pastor. I'm an ordained pastor. And I got my master's and moved to the U.S. and did all of these things. All of those were trauma-based decisions. And I... Um, I resent that to, you know, I resent that I woke up in my thirties, married with this career with children. And I realized none of the decisions that I have made I, there, there was never room in my life to be able to question, is this really what I want to do? Or am yeah. I being conditioned to make these decisions by religion, by society, by whatever. Yeah. yeah. And I resent that. And also I meet myself with compassion yeah. and I meet my parents with compassion. And I mm. realize you know, we all did the best we could with the very limited tools that we had, but I have more tools now, so I get to do better. So it's these like yeah, well holding the nuance of both. Like, yes, I can have resentment for that and forgive and meet myself and others around me with compassion and like hold a little bit of both. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I resent a lot of things. It's a great rec- uh, question to ask oneself. Uh, I, I, I haven't heard... I've heard a couple times, I think, that people talk kind of about making that, having that reflection before they make a, a choice and whether, where this is coming from, you know, um, but it's kind of challenging to, and I think that when one asks themselves that question, is this coming from my better self or a higher self? Is this coming from a place of wound, trauma, fear, um, lack mentality, Um it, what's challenging about that for me is that a lot of th- that place that it's coming from is subconscious. So right. how do I, how do I find, how do I bring light to um, an area that yeah. is, that is the source of my moving forward in life that is, I can't tell consciously is even there what it's doing. Maybe I'm curious what both of you think about that. Like, what do you think, Joe? 
Yeah. You know, for me, it has taken a lot of work. There is a lot of work that has been like first creating being an accountable person. And I talk to people about I had to when I left the church, I left because of a lot of trauma because of a lot of things that were happening and it was really easy to say my abuser did all of these things and here I am which would be accurate and also I played a part in all of that and I had to sit with myself and I speak about I looked at myself in the mirror Mm -hmm. and I decided I'm not gonna lie about myself anymore to protect my own reputation I enjoyed preaching uh I'm a good preacher but a lot of the reason why I enjoyed preaching was because it was a way to feel seen and it was a way to feel validated and it was a way to feel worth because yeah. I didn't know how to feel intrinsic worth from myself because of yeah. my upbringing, because of, I was an oldest daughter of a divorced family and my worth was in performing. My worth was in how, how well do you do? How, you know, I straight A student, the first time I got a B, I was in college and I freaked out. And my mom was like, why are you freaking out? And I didn't even know because of my own conditioning, I had believed that I had to be perfect. And I had to, I had to face myself. And I'm talking about years of work, right? Years of journaling. I do a lot of journaling years of why are you doing what you're doing? Why looking at my husband and saying, I married you for all of the wrong reasons. And we have to grapple with that. And we have to determine, are we still going to be married? Are there good reasons to stay married? I had children for the wrong reasons, but I had to be honest with myself and stop trying to protect my reputation because inside of the society that we live in, we are all taught to protect our reputation. We have to look good. The, the goal is not to be healthy. The goal is to look good. Right. And when we are so uh, consumed with looking good, we are never going to face our shadows. We are not never going to face our trauma. So I decided I don't care about looking good. There is something really good about being left with nothing. Uh, you know, I left my career. I left everything. We had nothing else to prove. We had nothing like I was left at the absolute bottom of everything uh, in my 30s with two kids pregnant. And I was like, I, I don't have a career. I don't have anything. I'm living in a foreign country. And, and but then I could sit down and be like, I'm going to be totally and completely honest with myself. And I had to admit that I had a lot of ego problems. The reason I was terrible at setting boundaries inside of the church is because I liked to be the sol- the problem solver. I liked to yeah. be the person that people came and said, Joe solves all the problems. Joe can get anything done because it gave me a sense of worth that I didn't have with myself. I had low self-esteem and I needed to be honest about that. And until I could name those things and say, I had low self-esteem, I was using religion as a maladaptive coping mechanism. I was using being a pastor and having authority as a maladaptive coping mechanism to not deal with my low self-esteem, with all of my um, self-image issues, with the fact that I want to look perfect, that I want to look a certain way. Until I was able to say all of those things, I was not going to move another step. I was not going to start a new career. I was not going to, you know, I needed to be able to face my my true self and facing your true self is not just facing the pretty parts the good parts the parts that you want everybody to clap for it's facing the shadows too and looking at the shadows I'm being like these are my shadows I am so good at at gaslighting people I'm incredible at gaslighting people because I'm so (laughs) smart I'm very smart and it's so easy for me to manipulate people so as a pastor I did that too you know, mm-hmm. and I needed to own that and I needed to apologize and I need to check myself all the time and be like, wait, wait, what they are saying is valid. And I am coming from defensiveness because that's my conditioning. So wiring your brain takes a lot of time and a lot of work. How's that been going as far as facing like things like facing your shadow or deconstructing 
um, habits. Actually, long -lasting before habits. you go on, Daniel, you, you know, the question you had originally asked was like, how do you know you're confronting the things that you may not be aware exist? Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm paraphrasing that. And I, and that's a question no, I ask. Accurate. Yeah. That, that's a question I ask all the time because we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And, and Joe just described her, her like, you know, very honest look at herself, um, which is, is like a scathing view of herself. And I, and, and Joe, I've had to do the same thing of like, you know, my, I have a process now, Daniel, where I, you know, Joe journals, that's how she's kind of bringing up some of that. I'm sure there's all kinds of other tools she uses. And yes. one of the tools that I've landed on recently is, is literally having conversations with myself. So I talk out loud to different parts of myself and, and the way I've been unearthing manipulation that I, that I use against my wife or my kids, um, uh, trickery to, 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 as Joe mentioned earlier, to get people to see me in a way that I would prefer to be seen as I've just kind of like talked to myself and started to call it out vocally, verbally with myself and then answered myself. That's how I've been, been able to kind of, um, see what I'm really trying to do. Yeah. And which, which, you know, to your point again, Joe is like, I was trying the best I could with what I had, but it was also a form of manipulation based in fear because I didn't want to be abandoned mm -hmm. and I want people to perceive me in a certain way. And I want to personally feel safe. So I thought at the time, it's like, you've got kids, you know, when you ask them a question and you're like, you know, the answer is simple. And they like, they're doing the calculations, the mental calculations. And then they like straight up lie to you, right. <laughs> you know, which is fear. They just want to feel safe and they want right. to like say the thing that is going to provide safety for them. And we, I, Ron Cieslav continue to do that into adulthood on some like subtle level, like, yeah. you know, overtly inadvertently. And so, you know, to answer your question, Daniel, I do want you to come back to when you're about to ask again, like, Right now, at this point in my life, I'm I'm doing it through conversations with myself and and so brutal a, honesty with me. What's a topic of conversation that that might center around? That that what's the topic of that conversation, or what's a potential topic of that conversation for you? For me or for Joe? No, for you. Um, that's a great question. I think for me right now, like um, I, I I mean. I have to be super careful because it, it involves other people and I don't want to, um, I don't have their permission, nor have I brought this up like in a way that, yeah. you know, says I'm speaking about this publicly, but it, 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 it's interpersonal, you know, it comes up for me in interpersonal relationships and me trying to control relationships. Yeah. You, you, so, brought, you bring something up that is important and, uh, the question which I the first person I heard asked this question was Dr. Thema. Uh, Dr. Thema asked, are you someone that people feel safe bringing mm. things to? Yeah. Do people feel safe saying, hey, you hurt me or hey, the way that you're bringing this up is you're, I feel manipulated here. Are you safe mm. or do people not? Because you were talking about how children lie. My children lie to me, too, and they never get in trouble for lying because we've learned that the reason children lie is because they aren't safe. Mm. And as an adult, as the one that has power in this relationship, right. yeah. that means I haven't made it safe for them to bring me right. the truth. Right. And right. so 
that's a good question that I ask myself. Too. I ask myself a lot of questions and I, I journal them, which is kind of having a conversation with myself too. Yeah, totally. Um, but it's like, am I safe? Is it safe yeah. for the people that I have relationships with to say, hey, that hurt me or mm-hmm. I felt lied to? Or am I immediately responding with more manipulation, with yeah. more gaslighting, with more, no, that's not true, or with more accusations? Um and you know, we we had we have those conversations in my in my closest relationships too. Uh, just becoming an accountable person that others are safe mm. to bring things to is hard work. Yeah, yeah, it's really hard work. And it's and just when I think I've like made it through a, through a couple layers of it, like something else comes back up. Like, oh god damn, I gotta I gotta face this again and like admit some more to myself and probably to someone else I've hurt in some way. Specifically around like that hard work being around getting communicating and being a safe person to for people to come to that's one something that you were saying i'd say yes i mean i i mean just listening to joe now talking about her the her her policy of truth uh which was a depeche mode reference if anyone needed to know (laughs) um uh you know with her children like i'm just thinking of like the many times even this week that i'm like oh yeah. fuck i wasn't safe i wasn't really? a safe dad yeah because oh that's surprising because I, I love you know who does well i love to be offended <laughs> really? like see how you're wrong and huh. and to hold that power over my kids like it's a fucking messed up thing to do um and i uh but I like I, I have worked hard on trying to make it feel safe for them to tell the truth, even when they make a mistake. But on some other level, I'm not doing that. I'm saying it, but I'm not acting that way all the time. It's funny how sorry. No, no. So I just, you know, it just reminds me like there it is again. There, there is the point that I have to like actually do what I say as a parent, which is my the way I make people feel is more important than what I say. Right. But, no. It's an interesting topic of conversation before we move on from it. Uh, yeah. Um, that um, being careful, someone who likes, like there are times you said where you like to be offended or you notice that you're getting, you're getting some energy from her, some validation yeah. or something. I would love to discuss that topic a little bit because it's, it's up a lot these days. And I think it's um, a value one, valuable one to explore. What do you think about that? Or do you, mm. Joe, do you have a lot of thoughts or um, what's your awareness around people's level of being offended your own level of being offended do you observe that in the world just can you speak to that a little bit yeah you know inside of um, the church they tell you really quickly like don't get offended don't be offended and there is because there is some level of wisdom in there people are like yes but there are offensive things you know there are there are simply offensive things Uh, misogyny is offensive homophobia is offensive racism is offensive um the problem is the same thing you know we go back to the same thing are you getting offended because this is something that is generally truly offensive to you to the identities that you hold because they are denying your humanity because they are denying the person that you are and your reality or are you getting offended because you're trying to protect an image of who you want to be portrayed as? Are you getting offended because you don't like to be held accountable and you want to protect your ego? Is this an ego protection? Is your offense because your ego has been bruised or are you offended because there is genuinely something to be offended here about? And there, I mean, there are people who are very, very, very offensive toward me online. It's amazing the amount of things that they feel very comfortable telling me uh, behind a screen. Mm -hmm. And it's offensive. 
like it's offensive to call me certain names it's some of them are really fun though I love going I, I love when they call me heretic I love when they call me satanic all of those names I'm like yes bring them uh, because when the religious elite are angry with you then you're definitely doing something right but there are some names that are really offensive and there are there are racist xenophobic um misogynistic ways in which people engage me and it's appropriate for me to be offended by that now mm. usually it's online so i'm like please do heal and i move yeah. on but that doesn't change the fact that it is offensive um so i think that the question is what am i really offended about am i offended because somebody's denying my humanity and my right to mm life my human rights is somebody denying me human rights is somebody denying my humanity or am i offended because i'm trying to protect my ego uh because if you're offended because you're trying to protect your ego you're not really offended you're yeah, your your yeah. ego got hurt you're uncomfortable the difference between discomfort and true offense right i'm, I'm uncomfortable you unearth you you shed light on a part of me that i don't want anybody to see and th then I become defensive and understanding that difference and being self-aware enough to realize like, nah, I just didn't like the way I didn't like the way I handled that. And I didn't like the fact that they shed light on that. That's different than saying that's absolute homophobia. And I do not tolerate homophobia, antisemitism or any other thing that denies the humanity of another in my spaces. And I think understanding those differences is important. Yeah, it's such a tricky conversation. I, I totally hear you that it's like, for me, it's very important the spirit with which someone says something. So if it's uh, that that would affect that whether or not something is offensive and plus to whom it's being spoken, like, is there are there things out there that are just like uh, unilaterally offensive? Or are there things that can be said that would be offensive to one person? And then that same thing said would not be offensive to another person? Well, if that's the case, then is that thing just inherently offensive? Or is it is it more nuanced than that? Like, for example, I was out at a comedy club this last weekend and I arrived to the show and my friend who I was meeting there was upset and I was late to the show and it was, uh, there was this uh, comedian and they were making fun of masks, uh, sorry, of vaccinations. And I think they were, what would it have been? They were pro-vaccination making fun of, of, anti-vaccination right well my friend was someone who is not vaccinated and therefore had to wear a mask to go to the show so it was kind of an interesting situation because everybody in the show uh, sorry in the audience who was not vaccinated you could tell because they had a mask on they were required to wear a mask so this uh comedian they um were making fun of those uh, that situation and the vaccinations, blah, blah, blah. And it was pissing my friend off. And so I said, well, come outside, let's get out of here. And so we just, we went outside and she talked for a while about it. And the show wrapped where well, we went back in and kind of stood in the back and visited instead of really paying attention to the show, just because she was upset. She was really offended. And that's the way she was spoken. She's like, it's offensive. I'm offended. It takes all vaccinated people or non-vax people. And it makes us this, that. And she was kind of upset. Well, later that night, I ran into another person who had a mask and I was like, Hey, I was curious their perspective. And he was like, I said, were you offended by that? And they were like, no, not at all. Uh, they're like, yeah, I have pretty thick skin. And it was a joke. You know what I mean? I was like, boom, there's two people. The same thing was said to them. They're in the same, they are in the same minority. And one was totally offended, validly. So, and the other one was not offended, validly. So 
What do you think about that situation in situations like that? Yeah, well, nobody's humanity was denied. You know, like choosing not to um, get vaccinated mm-hmm. is, is a choice, but at the end of the day, it's a choice. I like, think my not- friend would have said that their humanity to some extent was denied. I don't know how, though. I wouldn't understand how their humanity is being denied. That's a good question. I would would have to, you know, talk to them. But I don't know, like, making fun of people that choose to not get vaccinated is the same as, to me, in my opinion, is the same as making fun of people that choose to wear certain thing or choose to not participate in certain things. But it's not an identity. The only way that you can deny somebody's humanity is by denying identities that they hold. Being, oh, unva- being Not being vaccinated is not an identity, but being a brown woman is an identity. Being a woman is an identity. The fact that I'm a foreigner, that's an identity. Those are, things that I cannot, those are things that I cannot, I, I don't get to choose those things. You know, I, I can't choose. I can't stop being a woman. I am. I can't stop being a brown person. I am. I can't stop being a foreigner. I am. So, or even religious identity, especially for people like Jewish people, being Jewish is very, very much a part of their identity is deeply tied to who they are. Mm. So, or being a homosexual or being a trans person, all of those things, you cannot remove yourself. There, there, it doesn't exist a Joe that is not brown, but does it exist a Joe that is vaccinated or not vaccinated? Yeah, it's a choice. That's my choice. I can choose to be vaccinated or not be vaccinated. Those are choices mm. that I make. So, their humanity. I'm, I'm not saying you're a bad or a good person based on your choices. I'm just saying I'm going to make fun of your choices because it's whatever I believe about your choices, it's fine. But I'm not saying who you are is not acceptable. It's I don't accept your choice and anybody cannot accept my choices. That's fine. You don't have to accept my choices. That just means we're not going to be friends, probably. I wonder but if denying want, my humanity is different because I, want, I can't do anything about that. I wonder if my friend would to that say, well, my choices come from who I am. So you're kind of hitting who I am by attacking my choice, you know? And plus when people use terminology, which I am not a proponent of like anti-vaxxer or Trumper or this or that, that, that language turns a choice into an identity because now you are identified as an anti-vaxxer and that Joseph Campbell talks about that a long time ago he did an interview and he talks about turning a thou into an it you remember that part Ron yeah you you turn a you a person a set of people into an it you know Mm. an anti-vaxxers or this or that they're like yeah um and it makes it really easy to attack them because now they've lost their um, humanity, humanity yeah. you know what I mean? So anyways, then we don't need to get too much into the woods and sticks in this. I know it's a sensitive topic, but it is one I think that, and one thing, Joe, too, about what Ron and I are doing here is like, I know we're a couple of white guys that don't really have a specialty in, uh, in the thing that usually people are coming on here to talk about. We really use this uh, platform for us to publicly, and this is not our only mission, but we're just building awareness and we're building articulation and we're building understanding and we're shining light on parts of us that are like, uh, you know, I don't really have a lot of awareness around this or, you know, sometimes we have more or less. So like we always ask each other and then sometimes it comes up in conversation. Like I always say, like, be gentle, you know, like we're working this out, not you specifically, um, but it's just kind of like, I really value the process of, taking the fledgling steps into difficult topics and conversations. You know what I mean? It's a huge value of mine. And obviously you speak, spoke, you have spoken and speak a lot about these topics, but um, certain ones of them, Ron and I are just like, 
we're like, yeah, let's dive into this, but I'm not really sure how to talk about it. But I yeah. think that that's valuable. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They are, they are complicated things. And uh, feeling hurt is valid always, you know, people's feelings are always valid. They are absolutely always valid. Um, I have, you know, my mother-in-law is not vaccinated for instance. Uh -huh. And we had talked a lot about how she feels about it. And she, at, at one point she was talking about how she's feeling very discriminated against. Um, and I had to explain to her that it's, it's not discrimination uh, because she can choose to still, like she still can live her life. Nobody's denying her human rights because of her vaccination. So that's what I mean. Uh, human rights are not systemically denied to people who have vaccinations. So when I talk about identities, I'm talking about how human rights have been systemically denied to certain people. So obviously people of color have human rights denied to them. Women have had human rights denied to us. Um, uh, LGBTQ people have been human, like human rights have been denied, Jewish people, Muslim people, et cetera, et cetera. So that's what I mean. And so we have to be careful, especially if we have a lot of privileged identities to talk about I'm being attacked or I'm being, you know, like my humanity is being denied uh, because in comparison to slavery, in comparison to concentration camps that Asian people, Jewish people, Mexican people have been subjected to, um, you are just being told to put on a mask. And in the meantime, people have been systemically murdered and systemically denied basic human rights. So it's it's touchy because of that, because it sounds very insensitive when it's like, well, it's just a vaccine and people are making fun of it, but you're going to be fine. Like your life is not, you're not being threatened. Your, your life is not systemically being threatened. Um, so that's what I mean. Well, yeah, but plus, and, and also like things for all at least in the states uh in general things are way the fuck better than they were in uh like like you said um in nazi germany that and then in slavery and then i'm trying to figure out like the, and ron and i were talking about this earlier it's really hard to have the conversation this conversation um and say like well things are a lot better like let's be grateful you know <laughs> like it's like we'll pump the brakes like things aren't better for the dude who just got murdered, you know, right. uh, unjustly right. by, by someone who is an opposite race of them. Like that's not better, but the oftenness with which that is happening compared to slavery times is substantially better. And so it's just like such a touchy conversation to have right now to yeah. acknowledge that things are better but in one life here and 10 lives there and, and definitely in a, in a bunch of lives still, it's as bad as it's ever been, you know? Right. Because they fucking are, died. Right. <laughs> you know? And there are more enslaved people today yeah. than at the end of slavery in the United States. So chattel slavery in the United States. There are more enslaved people in the world today. So, but, and there are less people dying violently in the world today than a hundred years ago. And I think that the problem is that we get into dualism, right? It has to be better or it has to be worse instead of it's better in some instances and worse in some instances. Totally. There are some things in yeah. which we have definitely moved forward. And there are some things in which we really haven't. And in fact, we have moved backward because the slavery now is not called slavery anymore, but there are more right. enslaved people in the world today than ever in in modern history, than ever yeah. in modern history. And so holding all of that, right? Yeah. And, and being able it's to say, lot. like, we don't have to have dualistic mentalities and be like, it has to be one or the other. Perhaps it's both. 
you know, mm-hmm. it can be both. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And not only both, but like, it is kind of all one for some people and it is all the other for other people. And it's both in the world. It's just, there's so much to hold and there's so much nuance to it. And I'm a huge proponent. I know Ron is too, of just working out that nuance and, and doing what you just said, where can we hold, you know, it's a frontal cortex, very human, a very modern human thing to hold opposites. That's one of the higher functions that our brain can do. And that I think that people are getting more and more adept at and recognizing when that's happening. And it's, it's so important for us to be able to hold opposites at the same time, honor two or more. And maybe it's not opposites. That's very spectrumy type of thought, you know, but what if we turn that spectrum into a sphere, you know, and now we're talking about different points on a sphere that are all equal. And I just think making these very one and two dimensional discussions, blowing them up into be multi-dimensional, because that's really more the truth of what's going on, at least as I'm seeing it. What, what do you think about that, Ron? Yeah, I mean, we talked a little bit about that with Monica about um, it, how easy it can be to go from one end to the other on an, an idea, and you just end up being the opposite, which kind of in, in like some, some conditions is the same thing, right? Like the, the North Pole and the South Pole are kind of the same thing. Yeah. And, and they're different parts of the world, but they're both cold and, <laughs> and icy. And I think that can happen in our, in our reaction out of something like, um, you know, we could come from one source of pain and just end up right into another source of pain. And I, and the work that Joe has been talking about internally is like the only way I know of that we can begin to hold the paradoxes like you were just describing um, because they exist. A thing can be one thing, you know, there can be no slaves that exist, chattel slavery in North America, and there can be more, you know, the most slaves that have ever been held in captivity. And there's a lot of definition. I've read lots of articles about it as well, that, you know, there are millions of people who are stuck in forced labor and all kinds of other awful conditions, um, that those both can be true. And that, and I think the tough part is we want our, our, I think, I think probably this is my guess. This is just Ron Cecil talking a wild guess is that it's difficult for the brain to have to think about complex situations. Mm -hmm. And we would prefer to have someone speak for us, a pastor, teacher, a talking head, a parent, and just tell us how it is so that we just don't have to think because it takes energy. It's difficult. There's lots of us who are critical thinkers and we actually get enjoyment and, and pleasure from thinking about these things and dissecting them and going up and down and sideways and all those. I think there's a lot of people don't. And they would just, they have an idea of why they think they want something. They hear someone say that idea and, um, and then they just go for it. Um, And, you know, without much thought, because it just is a conservation of energy. It's a conservation of having to like turn on their brain and like actually make it work. And, and you see that, you know, in all kinds of ways. I mean, I could, I could probably spend the rest of the hour talking about examples of that. But I, I think that is like to, to get a person to go from uh, dualistic thinking to the possibility that paradoxes can exist is they think that's the hardest leap we have to make. Sure. And, and, and I don't think we can talk people into it. No, like and somehow I think, and I think they've got to like figure it out on their own. 
Yeah, you know, I'm not. We're not trying to talk people in it. We're yeah. just bringing awareness to the words, though. I'm not. Yeah, like, talking anyone in. No, it. I don't it's think it's my. Like, I don't feel like it's my responsibility to do that. But I'm. But like, that's the tough thing about society right now. Is it's like Jesus, you know, like. Yeah. How are we going to turn this corner? <laughs> right. There is um, something that happens in our brains, right? That we either have our parasympathetic or our sympathetic nervous system on and our parasympathetic yeah. nervous system is when our entire body and i'm going to explain it not because you guys don't know but for anybody listening sure. the parasympathetic nervous system is the system that is activated when we are at rest when we're able to rest and then our entire body goes into digestion happens in this moment anything that needs healing happens in this moment um the, the, everything slows down the body is able to check everything and make sure that everything is okay our prefrontal cortex is com completely open and we're able to think there are no uh fight flight responses happening in our brain and the sympathetic nervous system is the opposite the sympathetic nervous system activates our like our amygdala starts sending all of these signals to our brain that is saying like you are in danger so you stop thinking your prefrontal cortex starts like is impaired in a way and you stop thinking critically or rationally because you have to defend yourself there is no healing that happens in your body at the time mm. and there is no like your stomach is not working mm. and your whole entire body is mm. completely focused on i have to save myself i Survival. have to survive yeah. Because we live in a society where too many people are completely wrapped into systems of oppression, where they don't get to pull themselves out of those systems of oppression, they don't have any safe spaces where they can even consider uh, their life. They are busy surviving. They are yeah. literally busy surviving and ensuring that their families are surviving too. They are going to work and coming back from work because they have to pay bills because if they don't pay bills, then they are not going to be able to have food for their family tomorrow, or they are going to be able to, they are going to be kicked out of their homes. Um, because people live in those systems in that, what we call the rat race, the rat race keeps people in their sympathetic nervous system. Therefore, critical thinking is, it's, it doesn't happen as much because you don't have the energy your brain is just too much your entire brain and your entire energy is completely used to, to maintain safety to keep you safe and alive and that's where escapism comes because when people have mm. a minute of re respite when they have a minute to yeah. breathe they don't want to solve problems they don't want to deal with their own traumas they need a minute to rest they just want to watch a tv show and completely disconnect from reality because their reality keeps them in the sympathetic nervous system. And that is exhausting. Like mm -hmm. your body, even if you're just sitting down and working in front of a computer all day long, being in this constant, like, how do I survive? How do I survive? How do I survive? Even if you're in relationships that are unhealthy, if you are being told theologies that keep you in, are you sinning? Are you, you know, like, I want to have sex, but I am not married. And all the time your brain is thinking like, am I going to be a bad person? Is God angry with me? you never have enough space and enough silence in your brain to be able to start healing from your trauma, to be able to start looking at your shadows, to be able to start thinking critically about all of these things. So it's not so much people's choices as it is that we don't have enough spaces and enough room in our society to be able to give people uh, the safety to sit down, have their parasympathetic system moving healthily and uh, consider things and heal and have uh, enough space and energy to be able to think through their traumas and to be able to think through mm -hmm. their pain. And so we, we have a perfect cocktail where healing is just hard work. 
because we have to survive and also have enough energy to heal. And those things cannot happen at the same time. You cannot heal when your sympathetic nervous system is activated. It's a physical impossibility at the chemical like cellular level in your body, it's impossible to be defending yourself and healing. Those mm -hmm. two things cannot happen. So until we have enough spaces where people feel safe enough to be able to not think about survival, we will not have enough healing for the whole entire of the society, for like the masses, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why I talk about healing is actually a privilege. I have the privilege of having enough safe spaces in my life that I can heal. Yeah, That's a privilege. You and know, a lot of people in the world don't have that privilege. I was um, recently talking with this uh, gentleman who we were talking about something exactly what you're saying, and they were upset that 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 is now called a privilege because it's actually not a privilege. It just looks like a privilege, but that's actually a human right. It is a human right. So it's not a privilege. You know what I mean? It, it is just a human right that like has it. turned into a privilege. You know what I mean? People don't it's have... confusing. Right. People don't have, but I mean, at this point, having food for some people is a privilege. We're talking but about then, twenty. 20,000 people die of hunger every day, half of those being children. Food for some of us is a privilege because some people don't have access to it. Like there is a lack of accessibility. Um, and so that's what I'm referring to. Like yeah, the no, fact that there I, is I no that. accessibility to spaces that are safe. The fact that there is no accessibility for people to be able to have therapy. You know, like therapy yeah. is not accessible for the, for the most. It's just not accessible. Uh, so then it becomes a privilege that shouldn't be a privilege at all it should be a human right. i don't know if it becomes a privilege i think it it looks like a privilege you know it's still a human right it just looks like a privilege and that that confusion about well this is a privilege no that's a human right yeah but it seems like a privilege well fair enough but i think i i'm wondering if there's something that is not helpful about calling things that are human rights privileges because now like, do I feel guilty that I have this human right met, you know, because it's actually a privilege? No, it's a human right. I deserve that. You know, everyone deserves that. Um, so I don't. I don't... Yeah. I, you know, it's funny that every time we talk about privilege, people think that there is something to be shame. Like you have to hold shame because of the privileges that you have. I have I have no shame for the privileges. I have a lot of privilege. A lot. Hmm. You know, I'm, I'm educated. I speak two languages. I yeah. am able to travel. I, I am married in a heterosexual marriage. Uh, all of those things are privileges, all of them. And I have zero shame for any of them. Mm -hmm. What I want though, is for everybody else in the world to have as many privileges as me. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that because of all the politicization of privilege, we've made mm -hmm. it into a shameful thing, but it's not shameful to have privilege. I just want everybody to be treated. Yeah, but I don't think everyone has the nuance that you do with that word. Absolutely. And, and they can weaponize that word privilege. And, yeah. and, Which and is I think why that's it's... like, that's probably, at least in my experience, like more than often, more than not, it's weaponized. And, and, and sometimes because it should. <laughs> and, and because it, like, I'll give you a good example. I, uh, I worked for a uh, British brand, a British car brand in England that was owned by the Chinese government. Okay. So, they had bought this giant factory. This factory at one point had uh, 30,000 employees. Uh, the previous owners had run it into the ground and because um, it's very difficult to run a car company and um, they just couldn't keep it up. And, and the, the owners of that company asked the, the employees um, 
if they're willing to bet their pensions to keep the company open. Mm-hmm. And they and some number of them, a number, tip the scale to say yes. Let's all put our money together. We're all in this together and we're going to bet on this company. It's going to go for it. And they lost. And that's why the Chinese government ended up buying it. And there was a lot of anger and people protesting and, and all of those things. And, and there was this like vi- visceral, vitriol, um, two camps. Like one was like, we have a right to work. And, and they were literally like jumping over the fence to try to like turn the car factory back on somehow. And, and I get it in this, well, I don't get it, but I, but I can imagine what it would feel like to like, you have to eat, you have to take care of yourself. And at the same time, it's like, well, but you also continued to stay in a place where this was an option and, and you could have removed yourself and gone on and moved on. Okay. Fast forward. That's its own thing. Fast forward. I'm sitting in there in this, in this, with these bosses, guys who are, who are actual party members of the, of the communist party in China. And we're talking about the future of the company. This is in the mid 90 or mid two thousands and things like uh, electric vehicles is like just beginning to appear on the periphery. And, um, and we have a tank on site that is leaking fuel into the groundwater. Right. Yeah. And I say something to the room. I don't know why they let some guy in his mid twenties into this room anyway, but I say something into the room, like, Hey guys, we have a responsibility to this community and to this, into the environment to fix that and not do it anymore. Okay. The, this is the answer I got from, from a guy in his mid fifties, who was a Chinese official. He goes, Oh, the West had their turn to fuck it all up. I'm paraphrasing what he's saying. The West had their turn. Now it's our turn. Mm-hmm. Is the end of discussion. The end of discussion, and and that like that is that's privilege. That's what I, I like. If I've ever seen privilege in my life, it's like that shit right there, where it's like knowingly stepping on the. That's, that's entitlement. Yeah, yeah, probably. I don't know so. if that's privilege. I just looked up privilege. I think this is an yeah. important def- definition to like get straight. And they were saying a special right advantage or immunity granted or available only to a particular person or group. And like mm-hmm. when when I read that, it becomes really easy to distinguish between a human right and a privilege. You know what I mean? You know, the and, problem is that too many human rights have become privileges. The, what you just described right. is literally like people are denied things that are human rights. Uh, it's wild. Yeah, exactly. It's wild, like it sh- it shouldn't be, uh, to the point that you know I, I just learned yesterday this. Um, I learned yesterday that in France, women when they have children, when they I'm sorry, people that have the deliver babies from their bodies, when they deliver the babies, they immediately are paired up with a pelvic uh, floor therapist, and if they need it, hmm. they get free Jeez, pelvic awesome. floor pelvic floor yeah pelvic floor therapy wow. like they get therapy and they have all of these and it's all free. And if they need um, to have also surgery because there was too much damage, then they get surgery. Mm. Wow. I had no idea that was available to me. Where is I, that? I, had, so, 
I had sure. no idea that was even a possibility uh, until I started learning that all of these women have to have it. And I actually have to go to Tijuana because here in the US, it's too expensive for me. To, I had four children. Mm -hmm. I birthed four children and I had all of these different pelvic issues. I, I ended up actually having a prolapse. A prolapse means that you start losing, like your body is coming out from your mm -hmm. vagina. Oh. And so I had to get all of this therapy, but I had to go to TJ to pay for it out of my own pocket. I had to, all of these things are happening to women here in the United States. I'm not even talking about the global South. I'm talking about here in the United States. A lot of women are not getting medical attention that we need. I had my, um, I get cysts, I get ovarian cysts and the pain is blinding. Listen, I had a baby in a car. I don't complain about pain a lot. Whoa. I birthed a baby in a car. And I had, I was in so much pain at one point. This was a couple of months ago. I went to the ER. I was like, I know I have an ovarian cyst, but I'm in so much pain. I need you to help me. And they were like, just take a Tylenol. And I was like, no, I already did that. I didn't <laughs> come to the ER before yeah. taking a Tylenol. I already, and they were like, there's nothing we can do. It's just going to pass. We know for a fact that systemically women have been denied a lot of medical health. Yeah. because we are told that you're strong, especially women of color, because you're stronger. It's fine. Like mm. you, you have less pain. And a lot of the medical services that we get are incomplete because of that. So is, is healthcare a human right? Should I be like, my pelvic floor should be fine. Um, yes, it is a human right. And it's been absolutely and completely denied to a lot of women here in the United States. So I think that it's, you know, it's both. Like this is a human right that has been denied and therefore we made it into a privilege. To have human rights, it's become a privilege. Some, not all, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I can tell you care a lot about the things that you're talking about and these subjects, and you're also deeply entrenched in them, you know, in ways that me and Ron are very much not, um, just because we're not part of some of the identity groups that you are. And so it's hard for, you know, we have a lot of people in from a lot of different demographics on this show. And we don't do that to like, give you know to like i don't know what am i trying to say someone someone told we me we just do it because we're interested i mean that's like yeah that's it <laughs> it just happens yeah like it's yeah. not something we're trying to do um but a byproduct of that is that we do get exposed to um the the situations of different people that are in a different um demographic or several than we are and it's really helpful because it's a good reminder in so many ways for me and ron of the actual privileges we have and of the human rights that we have that are denied other people and denied to varying extents. And, you know, I was watching some of your um, content on um, Instagram before this Ron was too. And you seem like you have a lot of pressure on you. And I, part of this podcast, I wanted to ask just like, because you were mentioning your emotions and uh, Ron and I love talking about and, becoming more aware of and having access to our emotions. And I just kind of wanted to ask how you're doing um, just as a person uh, under Thank all this you. pressure. I love answering that question lately because um, there are days, there are sometimes, this happens even inside of a day sometimes. There are moments in which I am marveled and I am doing great. And I think about just the incredible opportunity that I get to do the work that I do and to raise four children that are so magnificent. And I am 
I love my life and I love everything. And then there are moments in days or entire days where I'm like, I think that the idea of an asteroid hitting the earth and this whole thing being over is great. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. I think that we should get there like ASAP. But it depends on the day. There are days that are really, really heavy. Yeah. There are, I, I work in, in TJ with some different communities, very vulnerable communities. And there are mm. days that are just so heavy. Mm. Um, and there are realities that are just really heavy. And there are days that yeah. my trauma catches up with me. Yeah. And, you know, and, and that's, that's just truth. There are very good moments in very, in some days and very bad moments in some days. And there are entire days that are beautiful and magical because I live in San Diego, California, and I get to go to the beach mm. all year long and just sit in front of the water and marvel and see the bioluminescence. I don't know if you've ever seen the bioluminescence but is this when the water at night like lights up and it's magical like it's incredible to see the water light up yeah. it's yeah. just marvelous and then I imagine that I am part of the stars and I read about um mm -hmm. cosmology and I'm amazed and then there are days that I'm like, this all sucks and this is fucking bullshit and I'm done. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's how I'm doing. Uh, but today's yeah. a good day. I'm very, very happy because my uh, hair looks really good too. Because I'm Yeah, I was going to say you're having a great hair day. Thank you so I was much. I at the beginning. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, so Feels good. Like you can get that perfect. It's like, ooh, that's good. I like I feel like I have to go somewhere now. <laughs> <laughs> you just went across the whole world with us. Um, yeah. I, you know, you... you um, I'm glad you brought this up, Daniel, and 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 we do. I mean, it's like I, we want to know that people are doing okay, and like we want to know our friends on here. Like at the moment you walk into our room, we're friends, and right. and um, and you had mentioned uh, in one of your videos like that you're that you're you're engaging your health, mental health, really seriously, and and that has been a journey uh, of mine that I've been on for a few years. That um, it's hard. It's a really difficult path and, and it's not um, easy, even, even as a white guy who has full access to insurance um, to, to find the right doctor, to have people to even to begin to like conceive of the idea of advocating for myself was like right. a years long process. I just didn't right. even know. And I don't know if that comes from the fact that I grew up poor or, or, or like you know, mental health wasn't even like in the equation of like wholeness growing up. Right. Um, I don't know. And I, and I, you know, I've gone through my own, my own like waves of resentment towards my family of origin about that and the community that I grew up in. And it's like, at this point, I've got to just, you know, fucking knock on doors and, and ask for help from different people. Um, but the reason I bring it all up is like, I, I, the more I go into this world, the more I realize like there, is, there is all of those things exist. You just talked about like that stay is great. The bioluminescence is amazing. I fucking love it. I first time I saw it in Southern California, like the mat, the world is magic. Existing is magic. And I don't know if you guys saw in the news, like a few weeks ago, but they were like, you know, it's just silly news, but the news was, oh, a uh, solar flare might knock out the internet and the electric, the electric grid for a while. I was like, that sounds awesome. <laughs> like all of us getting <laughs> yeah. cut off from bad news for a while and all the shit that keeps us into our, you know, our, our uh, like fight or flight response would be like probably a good hard reboot for us Yeah. for a good while. Um, anyway, I can keep talking about that. Uh, you're a delight. I'm so glad you, you came on and so glad you're having a great hair day. But I, I am, I was intimidated before you came on because you are clearly um, much more articulate about a lot of things that I've experienced too. a lot of, and a lot of folks who have, and, 
And um, I thought about, you know, becoming a voice in that world. And I just thought there are smarter people than me that do this, that do it much better. And you, you were my, in my mind as the archetype of that. And, and um, I don't know how long you're going to continue to do this, like how long you'll stay in this world. I don't have any sense of like pressure for you to stay in or get out or anything, but take, you know, take care of yourself in this. And, and, and uh, you are, um, you're doing, you're, you're making rough, you know, making waves for sure. And I, and I hope in that you can, you can really find a place in yourself and in your world that is healthy for you and gives you all the wholeness and healing that you need. And, and also that you get to just achieve what you want to achieve. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for even like asking. I don't often get asked how I'm doing and thank you for acknowledging that uh, I do some heavy work, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm being very, very intentional about my mental health and yeah. uh, about different ways in which I can do the work that I do um, without harming myself. Because if I'm harming myself or not enjoying yeah. my life, if, right. if joy is taken away from yeah. the equation, then what's the point? Yeah. You know, like, what's yeah. the point? My children deserve joy. So we, my children are quite possibly the biggest source of like joy and rest and healing and wholeness mm. that I get. Like I just, I have plans with one of them today later and mm. uh, I'm so excited to just go. I pick her up from school and then we have all of these plans and I have so much fun. And so I, I try to do both, you know, like yeah. I try to do both and I just, yeah, I, I, I'm trying to do the best that I can without absolutely killing myself, <laughs> without even harming myself. Like I don't have to, you don't, we don't have to harm ourselves. Yeah. Um, so holding all of the weight and at points I was doing too much and again totally rooted in ego in I want my worth I was talking to a friend recently and I was telling her I realized that a lot of the work that I was doing was still to say hey this is what I bring to the world because as an immigrant that's what you know why are you here what are you bringing to our world this is what I bring to the world so it's worth keeping me around I don't have to prove anything Mm -hmm. to anybody and I don't have to bring shit to anything Uh, I choose to because I want to but not out of hey you know give me value hey give me a thumbs up I don't need thumbs ups and when I go into those um trauma you know responses I have to pause and be like am I doing my work because I need the approval of others because I need to prove that I'm worth keeping around or am I doing it because this is important to me and sometimes it's one and sometimes it's the other and I continue to check myself and have conversations with my shadows Nice work. I really appreciate your vulnerability in this because you've, you've called out a lot of things that I think most people would be afraid of even admitting to themselves. And, uh, and I know that for me, all of my breakthroughs personally, my interpersonal relationships, you know, with me, and then with my, my loved ones, my wife, my kids have been preceded by me having to admit some hard and gross stuff to myself. And you're modeling that right now for us, like just calling out like your attachment to ego and all the other things. And talking and, about gaslighting, you know, that's something that yeah, a lot of people do and do in really subtle ways. It's not always egregious and to have yeah. a, to have a, um, a, a bead and understanding of when one is gaslighting, uh, somebody else. Uh, it's like, I think that's a hugely valuable thing for the world right now. And I was really stoked that you even like, especially for, you know, women in general, I think probably get gaslit a lot more than men. Yeah, yeah. So to have a woman, strong identifying woman, like 
tell say that she gaslights i was shocked that you said that you know and i think that is very vulnerable and honest and also expresses ego strength you know and it helps people in the world helps me normalize talking about you know faults and specific faults like faults around using logic fallacies as ways to manipulate you know things like that it's just like so important joe yeah it's hard work but we're doing good hard work (laughs) yeah yeah well said well said and that means that we have we have to admit that we fucked up a lot too yeah yeah the other thing the other gift you gave me is just the the um the challenge to make myself my kids feel safe the the challenge that i have to step up to of making sure my kids feel safe and detaching my any sense of like justice and personal justice and i and i don't mean capital j justice that like fixes the world i mean just what what i feel like i need to feel like exactly justified for my anger and um and that gives me like a lot of a lot of like i need to go apologize to my kids now <laughs> you know what um, well, thank something you. that helped me something that helped me in that regards i remember when someone explained to me that, that what fair means mm. um and fair doesn't mean people everybody gets the same thing fair means everybody gets what they need children need safe spaces adults are adults is the difference so is it like that justice right like i need you to understand that this was yeah. wrong yeah. Not really. What they need is to be safe. So mm-hmm. I keep thinking, like, what is it that my child needs right now? Not what is the right thing to do or what is yeah. the just thing to do. That's good. But what do they need right now? Yeah. And ooh, that's nice. but honestly, parenting from a very conscious, self-aware place is super hard work. Yeah, especially when you've got <laughs> not one, not two, not three, but four mirrors showing you back. Oh. <laughs> Like all the time. Doing all your your own stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> like, where'd you learn that? Oh shit, that's me. <laughs> I know, I know. And they call me out at this point now, especially the oldest. Like the oldest two are like, mm, you said. I'm like, Ugh, yeah. You're right. You're uh, right. You're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have these constant like people being like, mm, you are being a hypocrite right now. I'm like, you, yes, I am. God yeah. damn. Okay. Uh, here we go. That's awesome. Joe, where can people find you and where can they look you up and, and how, how, what are the what are ways that you connect with the world? Yeah, I am. On, I'm, I share all of the work that I do, like the public theologian work yeah. that I do. I share it all online for free because I want people to have accessibility to all of it. So you can find yeah. me on Instagram. I'm kind of more funny on TikTok, like silly funny. And then you'll find yeah. the feisty side of me on Twitter where I get in a lot of trouble all the time. Um, but yeah, you can find me in all of those yeah. places. I'm currently working on a few projects and some books and some things. So people will be able to have a little bit more easy ways to engage some of the the toxic theologies that I share with people, but yeah, that's about it. Awesome, Joe. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. Yeah. Take care of yourself. Have, been, have a really fun hair day because you, you're rocking it today and enjoy Thank your, you so enjoy your time with your kid later this afternoon. Thank you. Thank okay. You. Bye-bye. Bye Joe. Hey, Welcome to Field Dressing, episode 43, <laughs> Joe Lumen. Um, I had a song. I went to a concert on uh, Monday with a band called The Idols. And uh, they're rad. They're British. They're from Bristol, England. And um, 
they put out a great show. The front man is fantastic. He's just one of my favorite uh, front mans right now. And he's kind of a, I don't know, a metal punk band. I don't know what it is, but they're very, they're very kind of like left wing equality focused. There was a, there was one part in, in their singing where he goes, I kissed a boy and I liked it. And it's just this whole, you know, just really trying to like uncover the toxicity in all, all things. And um, he has a really great line in one of his songs. And I'm going to paraphrase it because he's number one British. So the like, you know, the English, ye olde English and American English don't exactly line up all the time. But the line said something like, nothing good has ever come from you saying you're offended by somebody else. And I, and I, I heard that in the concert and I was like, whoa, that is counter to the whole culture that we're living in right now where we feel like we are owed our voice of saying that our feelings are hurt agree or disagree yeah yeah i agree yeah yeah i mean yeah go ahead yeah i mean that's so um you know we had joe on today joe's uh, a very smart educated person who um uh you know, produce, pr provides a lot of information for folks who are coming out of a certain world who are heard in that world, namely Christ evangelical Christianity. And, and there's some nuance in how that can, can harm a person growing up. And, and there is, you know, the capital T trauma of like somebody like hurt physically harming them. Right. And then there's like the mental manipulation that happens in that world, which is also kind of fucked up, which is like, if you don't do this, you're going to hell, right? Which is the eternal death. And, and I can't emphasize enough how hard that is to get out of, oh, I just realized I had the band shirt on. Hell yeah. Um, where it feels like you're going to die if you leave or say something wrong about the place that you came from. And, um, and, and it is, I think, important to say that like we were hurt in there, but that, that phrase, I, I don't know the context of that phrase the, from the song. It could have been like, yeah. I don't know. You know, like, like, I don't want to, I don't want to put words in that guy's mouth. I don't want to like mean, yeah. make it mean what, what I don't know. You know, I have no idea, but, but I've thought about that a lot because you and I've talked about this on here before in and amongst each other that like, I don't jive personally or nor have I seen a healing modality that's rooted in resentment. Right. Like that is like rooted in being, I'm like really offended by this. And I'm going to stand in this and sit on this until something changes or use it to power the thing that I want to change. Mm. Every healing modality I've like came across is like, you have to take radical personal responsibility for yourself. And then on some way, like unhook the people who harmed you from whatever that you are offended by. And, and does that mean what they did was right? Not, not even kind of. Um, it means that in my, in my mind, it means like, they're just not going to get it and you can kind of keep wanting them to get it. But in the end, it doesn't matter if they do or not. Does that make sense? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. There was something that she said that I wanted to keep talking about, but this is kind of why we were just asking how she's doing. Cause she has a lot on her plate on so many yeah. levels, you know? Yeah. And I didn't really want to debate with her very much or challenge her very much. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like, why, you know, yeah, why totally. stress somebody who's already stressed at the yeah. same time, I do enjoy 
wrapping my head around and understanding more about some of these conversations and, and building, building a solid platform for which to speak, you know, and that platform can be made of, you know, like a stance, my, the, the building blocks of what I believe, you know, and mm-hmm. I'm just figuring those out. And one of them is around offense and taking offense, you know, and, you know, when, when she was saying that everybody's, and I don't want to like bring arguments now where she's not here. She to can't like, speak for herself you know, or anything. So it's, yeah, I get it's it, not yeah. that we're not, yeah, we're not yeah. doing that. We're just continuing our own discussion. Yeah. Um, um, she said one thing I would have liked to have teased out a little bit, um, to be honest, I just thought it would have been offensive. <laughs> so I, didn't, I didn't say it. Yeah. Know? And that yeah. was when she said, everybody's, it's going to like, bear with me, mm. but everybody's feelings and whatever they're feeling is valid. Now that's true. And it's also, I wonder if it's also not true. And yeah, I remember I mean, her saying that. Yeah. What I mean by this, yeah. I've thought about this several times is if someone is too sensitive to something, They take offense at the slightest thing and they have a really strong emotion about it. And, and there are ways we, let's say there are ways that that person can become less, uh, uh, um, less sensitive to that. Like they can make decisions about their life and just be like, you know what? I'm not as I'm not going to continue to be this sensitive mm-hmm. or I don't know what those might look like, but just for the sake of argument, let's assume there are ways for a pe- person to become less sensitive. I know I've become less sensitive about something, yeah. so I know it's possible. Yeah. Then, then while you validate that person's, those, that person's emotion, you also, I can't, I can't now, um, I can't now control everything I say based on the most sensitive person's response. You know, I right. can't do that. No one nor should could, nor how that. nor would you know what the most sensitive person needs to hear. That's a good point, right? You know, and so I, and that's I, and, yeah, and I think that's on. yeah, man. I mean, like I, I, um, and on one sense, like she's fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. Like her work totally. in Tijuana, right? Like that, like yeah, they need totally. help. That's not, that is, that is true. And, and yet there, I think like, um, I, I guess there's not another point to that, but I, I well, hold I guess, on. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, let me finish this because. Sure. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's like this. No, it's okay. It's like this. And these are not analogous. I'm just, I'm just saying, let me put something else on the table. Yeah. I'm not making an analogy here. Okay. But let's say you have a child and mm-hmm. that child is throwing a fit right about something and their tears and their emotion they're Mm -hmm. emoting they're they're suffering clearly Mm -hmm. but it's like not connected to anything that that they should really be throwing a fit about Mm -hmm. this has to do with their own sort of like i don't know if it's a choice i don't know if it's just a response that happened spontaneously but is that parent now supposed to go over there and treat that kid just like they would treat another kid who like maybe breaking their toe or something or like Mm. gashing their gave them the same response. Mm. Do we now have to validate both of those children's emotional responses the same, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or do we tell one of them, I'm sorry, you gotta like move on, you know, or you don't give it energy, you know, like in parenting and the little bit of parenting type of positions I've been in, you know, when, when a child stubs their toe or something, it's like, recognition and then distraction or like move on you know and what happens a lot of time is that child just like 
they just move on. They, they, they're not getting the like, Oh, you're feeding my emotions. So I'll give you more. They're just like, Oh, well they moved on and fuck it. I'll move on. I'm not saying that happens every yeah. time, but I've seen that happen. And I've heard that be a, a good parenting tactic. And so I'm just trying to figure out when someone, so now let's put that aside, but when yeah. someone has a really strong reaction to something that was not intended to hurt, but they are throwing a legitimate not throwing a fit, but they're having an, an experience that is legitimately emotional. It's real. Yeah. The suffering is real. I I don't think, I don't know if the best thing to do is to now tailor everything I'm saying. So I don't upset that person or that right. group of people that feels right. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. At the same time, you can't just say, Hey, y'all need to get tougher. Yeah. You know? You're right. Totally. So yeah. I don't know what to do with that, but that's the discussion that I was curious about what she would have had to have said. That is a good question. That's a really good question. I, 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 um, do you remember when, uh, the president, he's the prime minister of Canada, like accidentally bumped that lady uh, on the floor no. of the Senate and no, it, was, but, okay. it, it was on the news and here's why it was on the news because the opposite, the opposing party, and I don't have any skin in the game in Canada. I don't know anything about anything over there. All I know is his opposing political party physically got around them so that he couldn't go forward, move forward physically through the floor of the, uh, the Senate to address some issue, right? Okay. They blocked him. It was like this, you know, kind of, sure, you know, thing. And, and he tried to turn around quickly and his elbow struck a woman on the breast. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, everybody started yelling and pointing him. And I, there's even the video of it. There's even someone off stage going, shame, shame, you know, like try, they put him in a position to do something that could be contrived, could, could be seen as offensive. And the damn thing was afterwards is like, he had like more than a few instances where the dude apologized over and over and over again. And, and I was like, what, to what end? When does this stop? When do we, when does that, when does it okay? When does contrition become, um, you know, when does that happen? Like when do we, when can we actually stop apologizing or did he even need to apologize? And I, and I like, I, I love taking personal responsibility for my life, but when someone suddenly makes their problem, my personal responsibility, I'm like, I hear that you're upset. I'm, I'm curious about why this is happening, but you know, well, why does the kid who is throwing a fit again, I, yeah. I'm making this into an analogy. It's not analogous because I don't want to say people are throwing fits. I don't yeah. think that's what's happening. I think what's happening is people are just overwhelmed. They're stressed. Like she was saying, totally. to yeah, some extent, yeah, yeah, yeah. Big time. Well said. To some extent we're in sympathetic nervous system response yeah. all the time or most of the time. And that causes a, a, a survival type of response and that survival response can sometimes just be like back the fuck off like i am overwhelmed you just said something that's mm -hmm. tipping me over I, I can't deal with it but then i think that can be the conversation part of the conversation is that is not now we need to be very sensitive to every single person out there but that hey everyone is pretty maxed you know yeah. And Joe Lumen is a great example of that. Like she puts herself out there very bravely. She's bravely. Very yeah. Yeah. She's very vulnerable. Yeah. She has four children. She is a person of color. She is woman. She's immigrant. Like she has a lot of things yeah. that are, that are, you know, some of them shouldn't be challenging, but are these days, you know, and some of them just are innately challenging. 
Um, what I mean by that is like, yeah. you shouldn't be challenging to be a person of color in an ideal world, but it's yeah. probably always going to be challenging to be a mother. Right, four, yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, my point is, is just that um, I, I, I think that recognizing people are overwhelmed and on the, on their heels, Yeah. you know, but I would love that to be part of the conversation rather than, you know, what, to be honest, what she said, which is, you know, I can't remember that it was the first thing that we talked about. She was like, uh, offensive, like things are just offensive. They're offensive. Something's innately offensive. You know, she's mm. just talking about offensive. This is, it's an innately offensive thing to say this, this, and this, you mm. know, mm. she didn't give specifics, but I'm really curious about that. I don't know if that's true, you know, mm-hmm. because what mm-hmm. that can't be true because I know people who wouldn't be offended by that, mm-hmm. you know, right. by certain things. So right. something is not just innately offensive. There's things said, and then, to varying degrees, people are or not offended by it. And so what yeah. the fuck do we do with this whole discussion? It's just I know. like, ah. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good question. And I don't know the answer. And I, and I, I think it probably starts where you, where you and I have both acknowledged this. And she said this as well, that most of the time, most of us are trying the best we can with what we got. And and also, as we're doing that, like most of us are redlining, like we're like real, totally. <laughs> you know, totally, man. and, and, and I know that you and I have talked about this too. Like when I redline, like I don't think straight, I can't physically think straight. And, and I have to um, like remove myself from a situation to like give myself the bandwidth to begin to form real <laughs> rational thoughts around it. And, and the more I try to like respond in a cool guy way, like they do in movies like that, um, you know, I was talking about that TV show, the morning show on Apple TV before we start recording. And it's really, really well done, really clean, good writing where they take somebody who's a hundred percent confident in themselves and they pit them against someone else who's 100% confident in themselves and neither of them will budge. And that's a really uncommon thing to see in the wild. Like you see like very confident people like bowl over people who are not confident and to either try to like dominate them or to get them to follow them. Mm-hmm. And, and I was, I was, you know, I look at that and I'm like, man, I wish I could speak with like a teaspoon of that confidence within myself. And I can't, and, and I can't because, you know, survival, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up when that is like, she <clears> described a, <throat> uh, the life of a, of a, a person who's trying to get by. And, and that is, I've seen that play out all the way to the top earners in my world. Like where I've seen a family in a very wealthy neighborhood who somehow they got in that house and they're still trying to survive and they're living month to month, paycheck to paycheck. And they're redlining for all their own reasons. They just happen to have a big L big ass house in it. And and then we, the other thing about that, as I was thinking, is like we also willingly turn ourselves on to an endless supply of stressed, stressful information. And it is in addition to just trying to figure life out, we're also, you know, freaked the hell out by the condition of the world. And, and she mentioned, I think, remind me if I'm like getting this right. Um, hold on one second. Yeah, while you're pausing there real quick, um, 
there's one thing I wanted to say about that confidence and that's that confidence is an interesting word, but oftentimes it becomes rigidness, you know, lack of openness to understanding or to understanding someone else's point of view. Cause you, you tell me that two people are quote 100% confident and that that situation equals, they can't have a discussion about something where one person moves or not, that that doesn't feel like a real confidence to that, to me, that just feels like rigidness and strength and not exactly the type of like good strength. You know what I mean? So like yeah. removing some of these words that we have positive connotations totally, with yeah. from, from the extreme examples of what they really end up being. Yeah. And I think that's what you see in the show is like, it, it doesn't work, but it's yeah, impressive so it to see at the beginning. Yeah. Not, confidence. <laughs> not self- you call it something else. Right. Like yeah. Yeah. The world, like just coming yeah. up with different words. One thing I love about English, there's a million fucking words for everything. And yeah. people think that that's a bad thing sometimes. And it's like, no, because each one describes a different little shade or color or angle on something. And it's really important for where totally. we're going. Totally. What was I just saying? What was I saying before? I had a. Had a oh, I don't pay attention to anything that you say. Sorry. <laughs> you turned your mic off, and I was Me like, and "Great, you both, Daniel." <laughs> I start talking, and I check out immediately. Well, it's just like. <sighs> I think it was the, the how how much we're all redlining, and even when we even when life can feel quote unquote good, like we have the we have success on some level, like that doesn't yeah. mean our You're life is. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't mean our life isn't very stressful. It doesn't mean that a relationship with our spouse or or our job is like isn't keep you know just ruining our gut lining or or jacking our blood pressure up or. Any but to her point, things. yeah, if you're all of those things and you're a person of color and a woman, things probably get harder. No and doubt. It's like, I don't doubt that, that for a moment. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just um, there's no. It's not a but. I'm just saying on a different yeah. topic. Yeah. You know, there this topic of. Um, offensiveness it, you and I were talking about just before we started this it like starts to cage me in to where I can't be myself you know yeah like I know yeah. my heart you know right. I know my heart and I try to speak to and see other people's hearts and not what they're saying and that's helping me a lot because yeah. you know if there's someone I disagree with but I can tell that the reason they're doing what they're doing is because they want to help people then I don't to a certain extent the box the important box is checked you know you're doing, you're doing things to help people. I get it. Oh, I disagree to some extent about how you're going about it. Fair enough, man. But like, let's put things into perspective. Sure. And if you're doing things to help people, that's pretty cool. You know, now one might say, yeah, but Hitler might've thought that it's like, yeah. Okay. But I probably wouldn't get that vibe from Hitler that he's doing this to help. You You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes you get that impression from people are just like, and some people say all the same things and all the good things, but you can tell they're just, they're just not really, their heart is not in the right place. You know, Mm -hmm. they're still figuring that out. I have been that. And to some extent I still am Ron. Like Mm -hmm. I can tell when I want to hurt someone and I can tell when I'm being selfish and when I'm being neglecting, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell sounds arrogant because obviously if I could tell, I would just fix it all. So I can't always, but I'm, I'm seeing that more and more. And one thing that I see in myself is I would like, and it was what you and I were talking about before it's just, I want to just be less fear, fearful about what I say. And if I'm going to offend someone, I want to be okay to offend people because I know my heart. And I know that if that person was in this room with me and got to know me, if we were stuck on a desert Island together, it'd be pretty fucking quickly before they would find out that I got their back. Yeah. 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 I, and I believe that for sure. I, I, I mean, I don't, I, it feels like this is a, a conversation we could like 
you know, get a layer off and then like the next layer down is like totally. impenetrable. Like you just can't make it to the next one. And then you just oh. get, scratch the surface for it. And then weeks or days later it cracks and you go down another layer. Totally. This is a biggie. If, if I had such to choose a, five topics of conversation that were, that were big ones for me, this, this would be one. Yeah. 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 I, I was impressed with her, her. Not to say I wasn't impressed with her at all. Like I was very impressed with her and I've been impressed with her. That's why I wanted her on. Uh, but what what surprised me was her willingness um, in a good way to talk about her own um, her own relationship with gaslighting and ego and wanting Big to be time. on on stage and, and wanting to have all the answers like Hell yeah. I was, awesome. was like Joe that is true vulnerability is like as far as I can tell and I want to be able to say that myself like I want to be able to like call myself out as easily as that has happened in you and uh, and it challenged me to like do that. And then I think you you know look let's let's be frank here, man. Right before we start recording again, you you know you challenged me like you were kind of challenging me on 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 my like you noticed a moment when I wasn't being congruent with my, my with my integrity. Yeah. And and you called me out on it on a, in a good way, in a, in a loving way, in a kind way, but also kind of like no bullshit way. And I, and I do want to be like more of that. I want to yeah. like, whatever my integrity is, which is to love myself, to be honest and to care for people where they are without using coercion or manipulation or lies of any kind to do so. Mm-hmm. And because I have used all those things that I just said so often to get people to like me, it's really mm-hmm. easy for me to slip back into it. Yeah. And, exactly. uh, and I appreciate man calling me out on that. Like that's, it's hard. Well, to hard for, Yeah. I'm not into calling, calling out. I don't, uh, I don't feel like you were it, like, fuck yeah, bullseye. I got that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's something I love it when you do. And a lot of friends don't do this for each other. Yeah. I've noticed. And, yeah. and I think that inviting someone to say, to point shine light on and, put on the table in front of you something that they don't think is you know really who you want to be you know and let's put that on let's discuss it that that's one of the coolest parts about a solid friendship and I don't have a lot of friendships that do that yeah and I don't know why because I invite that I'm fine with that but maybe it's just because you don't I don't spend the amount of quality time with this friends for that to be yeah, where the the natural situation arrives, and we we spend a lot of time in a lot of different ways, so we, we have that. Yeah, we do, and I and I, um, it's a, at least in my experience, I don't, I haven't experienced it very much either. Yeah, and I and I am, and I think that's why I've been like calling you up and telling you how grateful I am for our friendship because I'm, I'm, I am, you know, you've said things to me that are are critical observations, and I mean that in a the most positive framing I can. Because I've said this, I've said critical, I've stated critical observations to you as well. You don't need to grit your teeth, man. Like, like, because we, we've gotten on the other, <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, because I think both of every single time, even if we got really mad, which we have, like, both of us have been like, oh God, like that needed to be said. I don't think I've ever gotten really mad with you. You've gotten really mad with me. Oh. Well, I'm serious. Do you need to get mad? (laughs) No, I don't. I need to express when I have a problem and that sometimes can make other people upset. See, the thing is, the reason I grit my teeth and I get nervous Mm. around this conversation 
even though it's a very valuable one, is because I was raised by a ridiculously critical father. Mm. And to the point where I I get upset. Yesterday I was like, um, makes me want to fucking cry, man. Mm. Because if you're really critical of a child, when that child is in a fledgling state where they're making mistakes and they need to make those mistakes and they need to be encouraged and just seen and supported through mistakes, as long as those mistakes aren't threatening to them or so them or others. Yeah. Like you need that. A child needs that. And I didn't have that to the extent that I needed. Yeah. I just happened to need that a lot. And there's reasons why, and I don't want to blame my father. Like he has reasons why that was the case. And that is valid and legitimate. It just happened that I needed something I wasn't getting. I was adopted. I came into his life a little later. He was very young, dot, dot, dot. Yeah. But the truth is, is that one of my values now is to, is to provide that safe space for, for people. But Mm. the thing is, is I'm in direct conflict with myself because I'm also incredibly critical of myself and others. Right. And my, it shows up in my intimate relationships and partners. If you got all my, like I've been in love four times, you all four of those people lined up and you'll be like, tell me about Daniel. And around criticism, they'd be like, Oh my God, you know, (laughs) and it would not be fun. And I just, have so much, let me just finish up. Yeah. So much to grow in that respect. And yet also yeah. to just abandon and become the opposite would do a disservice to my personal potential because there's value in being critical if you can do it in a way that is all the things you're kind of talking about. And yeah. it means so much to me to have safe, successful experiences around expressing something critical to a friend and then being like, thank you for saying that. I feel like that was helpful and you were not unkind. It's like, I'm doing like, I feel so much better. Cause I, it's <laughs> fucked my relationships in the past, man. Well, really. <laughs> I don't know what happened in your relationships cause I wasn't there. And, but I, I, I want to, um, for you, when I say critical observation, I know that that feels charged and the, cause I use the word critical, but I think of it in like the high school definition of critical thinking when you were like supposed to read a, uh, a yeah. passage of literature and, yeah. and, and, and examine it and see what's being spoken and seeing if there's more meaning beyond the stated meaning. Yeah. And so when I, when I said critical observation, that's, that's what my brain was thinking. It's like, you were looking at me seeing the stated meaning and then going like, wait a second, I am, I'm sensing something else here that I think you would actually I, prefer awesome. to know about. Yeah. And so that's what I'm talking about. I don't, I, you know, you know, I mean, if you have said something to me, like, because you're offended or because it's shitty, like it's not come across as anything other than like loving and. and well, not the time that I did that, that you were redlined. <laughs> you yeah. Know what I'm saying? yeah. Yeah. True. 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 What but that, about that? <laughs> well, but that's, but that shows you, that shows you that now I'm on the other side of that and have had huh. distance from it that I don't, I'm not, I'm not holding on to that so much so that I don't, I can barely remember even what the conversation was about. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it feels really good to have someone be like, Hey, I love you. And I, I think, and you, you were doing something or said something or did something that I don't know if you're aware of, Yeah. but I don't think it's in alignment with where it's going to get you what you want. Yeah. And this, this is my opinion, take it or leave it, Yeah. you know? And then there's a discussion. And I would yeah. love if people did that for me. I like when people do that. That that's critical, that, but it's good. That phrase, that stance. I love you, but I don't think this is what you're meaning to do or even aware of doing. 
however you just stated that was a really was really and i don't think it's gonna get you what you want you know what i mean because we're all trying to say things to get us what we want right yeah yeah (laughs) that's the truth that is the truth yeah and that's why i don't want to be like with joe you know uh you know there's probably a lot of fronts that there would be a really healthy good like discussion you know borderline debate which i don't think is wrong that's fine yeah yeah on subjects and it would be really lively and, and real but the truth is is like she is doing she is putting herself out there vulnerably so honestly bravely. yeah yeah and even the thing even the video that she posted today yesterday about her apologizing for some things i was yeah. like she's kind of doing what you and i are doing like mm. she's showing her process and maybe yeah. it's not maybe she chose she shows the two steps back in her three before her three steps yeah. forward but like yeah. I personally think it's valuable to see people show their process, you know, and, and that's not to say she took three steps back by apologizing. I'm just saying like, she was showing us how the sausage is made a little bit, you know, and I just, I think that there's a lot of value there. And I, I think she's doing a great job in in what she's doing and she's young and going to be doing it for decades. I I imagine she's just going to get better and better and really make a lot of positive marks in this. Totally. Daniel, thanks for, thanks again, man. I I wouldn't have this, podcast without you it doesn't feel like my podcast feels like our podcast and and even that feels like feels like a podcast that you and i get to be a part of and and that is special and it's a gift to me and i'm looking forward to doing more so thank you man and let's keep doing it yeah i appreciate that it's 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 an honor and a pleasure and just to just to sink our hands into the you know I just had an image of when you make meatloaf, you know, (laughs) totally all the ingredients, the egg, the the eggs, fingers, like the meat getting in between your fingers and maybe your fingernails. (laughs) Sometimes that's what it feels like. (laughs) It does. That's right, man. That's well well Am I doing it right, mom? Yeah. My hands are so fucking cold. They start to hurt. You're like pulling out. This is such a great experience as a kid making meatloaf. Yeah, man, man. That's funny. Yeah, good call, man. Good call. Good to see you. Let's keep doing it. All right, love you too. Talk to you later. Bye.